and these are the stories of the heart of the community in the heartland. This series brings to life the oral histories of journalists in North and South Dakota, newspaper legends who devoted their lives to covering their rural communities. By now, a few have passed on, but all of their legacies endure, and their history is forever preserved in the newspapers they leave behind, as well as through these stories. These episodes are sponsored by the North Dakota Newspaper Association and the South Dakota Newspaper Association. Since the 1880s, both have advocated for the public's right to know and for the importance of newspapers in a democracy. In our first two episodes, we introduce you to the cast of characters who make up this series, 10 journalists from North Dakota and nine from South Dakota. The rest of the series captures regional journalism history in the upper Midwest. We also discuss these journalists' reflections on how to be successful journalists, the state of women in media, and the future of journalism. Because journalism history is about more than just the media outlets in New York and Washington, D.C. Our story begins with John Andrist. Born in 1931, he grew up watching his father Calvin at the Divide County Journal in Crosby, North Dakota a venture he would later pass on to his own son. You know, I was sort of fascinated by newspapering from the beginning with words. I tried selling newspapers door to door for my dad someplace in there. I remember spending a whole day. I was supposed to get a nickel for the newspaper, and I think I sold one. Everybody who wanted it bought it by mail at that time. You could deliver it free uh, uh, through the post office. If it was in county, there's a special provision. And so newspaper subscriptions were a dollar and a half a year. And you never stopped a subscription if a person couldn't afford to pay for it. So everybody pretty well got the newspaper. I couldn't sell any. After taking over the family newspaper, Andrus began climbing a ladder that would take him to the presidency of the North Dakota Newspaper Association and eventually the National Newspaper Association. He blazed a trail in other ways in journalism history in North Dakota as well. It was my idea, and I don't know where I got it from, but uh, my idea to start doing more with news than weekly newspapers did in those days. And I can remember I was one of the first to start going to school board meetings and city council meetings. I don't think when I started any weekly newspapers owned cameras. You know, they occasionally would, getting a picture in the paper was a matter of somebody brought a picture in and then you had to send it someplace to have an engraving made, you know, and that all changed gradually. And I always felt that I was on the cutting edge of all the changes that came. You know, one of the earliest to go to meetings as a newsman, one of the earliest to do photography, one is an innovator in typography and uh, and style, and uh, I was one of the, I, I just loved the business, and, and uh, 
always felt it was such a privilege to be in the business. I was really caught up in it, Terry. I, uh, uh, to me, working 75 hours was not work because I, you know the old saying that if you love what you do, you don't have to work another day in your life. That's sort of the way I felt about it. In 2002, Andrus received the Amos Award, the National Newspaper Association's highest honor for distinguished service to the community press. He continued to write a newspaper column that first appeared in the late 1950s and ran until his death in 2018. The series also features the famed Marilyn Hagerty, or as national listeners may better remember, the Grand Forks columnist who wrote the Olive Garden Review that went viral. And that set off more people commenting about the Olive Garden and all this and that. And why would any old broad from North Dakota be writing about that? And Hagerty began her newspaper career in the 1940s when she was a high school student working for the Pier Capital Journal in South Dakota. She eventually made her way to the Grand Forks Herald when her late husband Jack was named editor of the paper. She later became the Herald's features editor and a columnist. So I just keep writing, and the response I get to me is just overwhelming. It's so gratifying to receive notes that I do and phone calls from people, so I get the impression that they like what I do. Hagerty appeared in various national media in 2012 when her review of a new Olive Garden restaurant in Grand Forks was noticed by online news aggregators and became an overnight sensation. I feel pretty good about my career. I feel very happy about, even without these latest honors and honors and <laughs> notoriety in the last couple of years, I feel, I feel pretty good about my career at uh, you know, you start out to do one thing and you never know where you're going to end up. In 2012, she was awarded the Al Newharth Award for Excellence in the Media. Now in her 90s, Hagerty continues to write for the newspaper. I have so many story ideas that I don't think I could get them all done before I'm 100. Bill Marcel Sr. brings a business perspective to this series. He started his newspaper career as an advertising representative at the Forum in Fargo in the early 1960s. We used to say, they, they said in the business that newspapers in those days, you know, they take a wheelbarrow down the middle of Main Street and they throw all the money, and you've probably heard this, at the end of Main Street they'd go into the bank and deposit it all in the bank. Well, it wasn't quite that easy, but you know, uh, it, it was a different ballgame. In 1969, he was promoted to president and publisher of the Forum and turned the family newspaper business into Forum Communications a company that grew to about three dozen newspapers, as well as TV stations and a radio station in the upper Midwest. People would always criticize the press, the goddamn liberal press. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, the press of this country is not the Washington Post or the New York Times. It's the Forum, it's the Grand Forks Herald, it's the Sioux Falls Argus Leader. That's really journalism in this country. But the perception is, you know, that the, the big three or two now run the whole, the whole country. That's, that's not true, but that, that's a perception that people have. Marcel was the first North Dakotan elected chairman of the American Newspaper Publishers Association, now known as Newspaper Association of America. Although he served on the business side, he has long been a proponent of strong journalism. 
Well, we have an important part to play just because what I've said, you know, we have to be a watchdog on the government. Uh, who else is going to do it? And, you know, uh, I think people in this country now are starting to recognize the value of a responsible press. Like others in this series, Roger Bailey has a long family history with newspapering. In 1955, his parents bought the weekly newspaper in Bertha, Minnesota, and he got his start helping as a child. It was different back then, and, and uh, he, he, he poured his heart and soul into that weekly newspaper and uh, worked long hours, tedious hours. This is letterpress newspaper days, and uh, it was not easy. It was, uh, it was uh, days before air conditioning. It was days before electric typewriters. It was, uh, it was days of, of hot lead and, and, and casting and uh, smoky, hazy conditions. Uh, at times in, in the newspaper office, simply because of the type of material that we were working with. In 1973, Bailey became editor and publisher of the Turtle Mountain Star in Rolla and became the epitome of a weekly newspaper man. Those small community newspapers are still playing a very important role in North Dakota. They, they're, I like to say, ask somebody who lives in a town without a community newspaper. Uh, the community newspaper is a gel, an adhesive. It brings the community together. Uh, it helps everybody know what's going on. And uh, uh, it's just so important for, for the longevity of every community. And so I don't foresee a lot of change. Technically, of course, there's a lot of change uh, on how people are receiving their news these days. Uh, you may hear that newspapers are dying. Uh, community newspapers aren't, except for the fact that if you read an obituary in a community newspaper, you're probably reading about somebody being one less subscriber to that newspaper. But uh, newspapers are, are, are still vital. They're, they're still important to, to the life of everybody in, in the community. And uh, so I, I don't see a lot of of change in, in the, the numbers. In 1998, he sold his newspaper and went on to serve 13 years as executive director of the North Dakota Newspaper Association. He was inducted into the North Dakota Newspaper Hall of Fame in 2014. Newspapers are the recorders of history. Yeah, some days there might not be a lot happening, but that history is still recorded. I don't know that there's one particular day that would be the pinnacle of history in, in North Dakota, but uh, I, think, I think newspapers are, uh, are a valuable asset for every community that has one, for every community that uses one, and uh, long live newspapers. Richard Peterson also spent a long career working in weeklies with about 50 years devoted to the Benson County Farmers Press in Minnewaukan. And, and business was always good for the Farmers Press. It was, uh, it was a, what would you say, a, uh, there's no possibility of getting rich there, but uh, you wouldn't go broke either if you did a halfway decent job. And uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was a lot of physical work 
and there wasn't much journalism involved in it. You, you, you were concerned with putting out a newspaper and getting the paper put together and getting it printed and getting it mailed and then the postal reports and the, the payroll and uh, the bookkeeping and all that stuff and you had to see to it all. Bob Lind had the same experience when he was at the Larimore Pioneer in the 1960s. He joined the forum in 1969 and has been a copy editor, night editor, assistant city editor, and features writer. He retired in 1998, but continues to write the forum's popular neighbors column. You know, I've interviewed, you know, important people, you know, major government officials and sports stars and so on. That's always, that's always fun, but it's, it's the man on the street, the woman on the street, they got, they're, they got stories too. And even though their name isn't known, their story is important to them. And, and uh, it's just been fun to, to meet people and write about that kind of stuff. That same drive motivated Mike Jacobs, who published his first newspaper, the Jacobs Journal, as an eighth grader. He later became one of North Dakota's most prominent publishers. I said there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who get up and go to the bathroom, and those who get up and go to the door to pick up the newspaper, and then go to the bathroom. And my job as the editor was to increase the number that went to the door and picked up the newspaper first. That's, you know, that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to be, we wanted to be urgently important in people's lives every day. That's why I think that the, the technology revolution really uh, blindsided newspapers uh, because we couldn't possibly be as urgently as important as the new media. After a series of other jobs, Jacobs began his career with the Grand Forks Herald in 1979, eventually becoming editor and publisher. As editor, Jacobs guided his team to a Pulitzer Prize for the Herald's coverage of the 1997 flood. Literally, people ran up to me to get the Herald. I mean, you, there's just no experience like it to, to tell you how important the daily newspaper was or the community newspaper was in a, in a community hurting like Grand Forks was hurting. Well known for his political commentary, Jacobs continues to support the newspaper industry in North Dakota since retiring from the Herald in 2014. Out in western North Dakota, Jane Brandt has been reporting to work at the same place since the mid-1960s. 51 years of families coming in through high school seniors going off, you know, on their own um, of happy days and, and sad days, but that's that's life, and then you cover it with the paper as much as you can. Each week, I try as hard as I can just to have news about Hebron and the immediate area. She took sole control of the Hebron Herald in the early 1970s in a town of 1,100 people at the time. And I ended up running it by myself since then. And those pages weighed over 100 pounds at least, and I, you had to carry them from the front into the back to the big press. And I couldn't carry 100 pounds, so I'd put the bottom of the page on the top of my legs hold the top of it and if you dropped it you'd have to start over from scratch and just shuffle along until I got into the back room and 
got that 100-pound page on the press. She also became publisher of The Richerton Merchant, running two weeklies in rural North Dakota to keep these communities' history alive. Not far down the road, Linda Seiler is another familiar face in western North Dakota. She joined the Dickinson Press in 1970, expecting to stay just a few months until she began a career as a teacher. Nearly 50 years later, Seiler is still there and unmistakably the heart and soul of the paper, not only due to her long tenure, but her excellence in lifestyle reporting. For me, it's changing somebody's life, um, making a difference in their life. Um, I always used to say, shine for a day. I would like someone to shine for a day when all their friends come up and say, I read about you in the Dickinson Press. That was a really good story. And they'll come up to me and tell me, Linda, did you read that in the paper? And that's when I know I've done a really good job because I've kept me out of it, that they didn't realize I was the person who wrote the story. But in fact, that shine for a day, I would have to say that. That's for me the success. And finally, we have Truman Ness, whose family has built up a newspaper legacy in North Dakota since his father started the Tri-County Sun in 1922 in Fordville, a tiny town with fewer than 400 people at the time. Ness publishes 10 small community newspapers in eastern North Dakota. He believes it's good for a town to have its own identity and that a local newspaper helps keep a community together. I think that's one of the biggest parts of democracy. Um, we need to keep on, uh, keep the newspapers moving. In our next episode, we explore our cast of characters in South Dakota before delving further into these journalists' stories. For the Dakota Journalist Podcast, I'm Terry Finneman, with sound editing by Savannah Wakefield. And these are the stories of the heart of the community in the heartland. Mm-hmm.